Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time to get your tailgate on. Put up a shut up, sir. As we're getting you set for all of today's biggest games in college football. This is Saturday Tailgate with Nick Kale and Marquise Munson on Nashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. And we welcome you into week 11 of Saturday Tailgate here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick and Marquise with you, leading you right up until kickoff today at 11 a.m. on a day in which many of us who love college football live for days like this. They only come around so often, so enjoy them, cherish it, and revel in it because it'll be 12 hours of football gluttony. Hollywood, how you feeling today, buddy? Man, I was going to wait till 11.15 to take the pads off, but man, I'm so excited about this game. They might have to come off pretty early, man. I woke up this morning with no pants on, I came to work with no pants on, and I shall work with no pants on. That is the excitement level today. If I wear pants today, just just stop me and be like, hey, 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 take those off, sir. (laughs) Sir, take those off. It's Alabama LSU. Yep. You don't need to have those on. Yep. It's a no pants party today. It is great. I love it, man. It, it's it, this is the most excitement I've ever had in a long time for a college football game, and and it's funny because when you look at the schedule of all the games and all the games built around Alabama LSU, it's like yeah, let's not schedule our game for two thirty because we know that that's going to be Alabama LSU time. Mm-hmm. So let, let's do a night game, huh? Uh, mm-hmm. How about that? You know, we haven't had a night game. Let's do a night game today. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of excitement for this game. All right, let's get it going, Captain Kurt, with the Saturday Spotlight. It's time. It's time. For the Saturday Tailgate Spotlight. It's time Shining a light on the biggest matchups this weekend in college football. All right, we begin with the biggest game of the day, East Carolina and SMU. No, I'm just kidding. Alabama, LSU, number two against number three in the college football playoff rankings, number one versus number two in the Associated Press rankings. And it has been 2,965 days since the LSU Tigers have defeated Alabama in the previous game of the century, eight years ago. And uh, Marquise, you know this, we had Tim Brando on Morning Drive this week, and I said to Tim, Could you ever envision eight years later Alabama-LSU going from two legendary defenses in a 9-6 game to a game that maybe, health depending on Tua Tungvaloa, could look like a Big 12 game today? That could very well be a possibility. Yeah, it reminds me of, this was a couple years ago, this was when Auburn had Nick Marshall, and it was Alabama-Auburn, and it was like a 40-point scoring game, And, and this game reminds me of that. You know, when we look back at some of the great LSU teams and some of the great Alabama teams, a lot of it has been predicated on their defense and the defensive talent. You watch NFL Sunday, and a lot of those guys that were on that defensive teams, they're playing on Sundays. Even, you know, and it's funny because a lot of people don't remember when Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and all these guys played for LSU and, and Alabama and we don't remember these guys because the offense wasn't really a factor back when they played. And and so now we look at this game, there's so much talent. We got Joe Burrow, who's going to be an NFL prospect. We got Tua, who's obviously going to be one of the first quarterbacks off the board. You got two guys in Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy who are going to be first-round wide receivers. You got first-round wide receivers even on LSU side. So it's just crazy how 
that transition makes. And that's Coach O basically putting emphasis on, look, we can play defense against Alabama all day. We can stop them. We, we can hold them to 29 points you know, like they did last year. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to be enough. Because this is an Alabama team that was scoring 40, 50 against opponents last year, and then all of a sudden scored 29 against LSU. But the problem in that game was LSU couldn't get any offense going. And so he knew that if I'm going to compete with Alabama at a high level, if I'm going to be able to keep up with the Joneses, I'm going to have to work on this offense. And that's what he did by getting a guy like Joe Brady to work with Joe Burrow, and all of a sudden you got magic here with LSU. So... And and this is what look I and I know I'm a defensive guy. I love watching some defensive football, but it's going to be exciting to watch Joe Burrow and Tua go at it in this game. Adam Schefter tweeted this out an hour ago. He said today's Alabama LSU game features 24 players that Todd McShay currently deems draftable prospects, talent all over the field in the much-anticipated game. Obviously, the big storyline within the game itself, the health of quarterback Tua Tonga-Valoa. I know D-Mace and Braden both have said that they'll believe he's ready to play and will play when they see it. Uh, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I don't think there's a chance he misses today's game. I don't think there's a chance that Nick Saban holds him out. Now, does he finish the game? is another question, because if he gets sacked, if he gets that leg rolled up on, and he gets up gimpy, and he's limping, and he's clearly a shell of himself, then the question will be, does Nick Saban say, you know what, i got to put your best interest at heart here, i got to yank you and put in Mac Jones. But that first snap from Shotgun, 100%, me personally believe, Tua will be in. No, absolutely, and it was funny because Tim Tebow tweeted a picture of um, – of Tua and Patrick Sertain, and people zoomed in on the picture to see if Tua's ankle was wrapped, and he just had you know regular socks, normal, no boot, no no wrap up or nothing. And Alabama fans got pretty excited about that. They're like, "Oh my God, he's just wearing regular socks. He doesn't. It's not wrapped. He's gonna play. He's gonna be a hundred percent." But in you know, I had to think about this game. Would you want a eighty ninety percent Tua over a hundred percent Mac Jones? And the answer is yes. I take a sixty percent Tua <laughs> over Mac Jones. No matter the percentage of what Tua you're gonna get. But the problem is if you start seeing them get flustered, obviously, you know, LSU's going to send the house at them mm-hmm. at, at on certain occasions and you know, you have to see if it's one of those games where Tua performs and it's like that first half of the Georgia game in the SEC championship game where you can tell that this is not to his night and the ankle's bothering him or anything, that's when Nick Saban maybe at halftime will have to make a decision of, look, he's not playing well in this first half. You can tell he's gimpy. You, uh, LSU's sending the defenders at him and it's, and it's causing problems. Then you have to go to halftime thinking if you're Nick Saban, do we make a move? Because – you know, I, I'm not gonna go four quarters with this with this Tua. Like, so that that's gonna be the toughest decision. But I think a, a 60, 70, 80 percent Tua, and that's no knocking Mac Jones or Mac, you know, Mac. But it's just, you know, it's I, I will take that Tua overtaking this quarterback. Elsewhere today in the Saturday spotlight, we have a big one in the Big Ten. It's fourth ranked Penn State is eight and zero. They travel to Minnesota today as they will take on seventeenth ranked Minnesota, who is also eight and zero. PJ Fleck last week campaigning hardcore for College Game Day to come to Minneapolis. They decide to go to Tuscaloosa, but a big one in the Big Ten in Penn State, who is number four, one spot ahead of Clemson, much to the chagrin of a lot of people across college. 
college football who certainly believe and maybe know that Clemson's the better team. Well, Penn State, if they want to stay in the college football playoff top four, they need to handle their business today as a touchdown favorite on the road. Now, absolutely. And this is basically, for both Ohio State and Penn State, this is the time of their schedule they're basically going to have to just rack up wins, kind of figure out their Achilles heels before going up against you know, each other. And one of Penn State's Achilles heels is their secondary, and they're going to get tested today with Tanner Morgan, who needs to have a big game for Minnesota if they want to even make this a game. So, and you know, they got some big play receivers in Minnesota's side. You know, Bateman's a good receiver. Johnson as well. I think Bateman's averaging, you know, 20 yards per catch, per reception. So, you know, he, he may have a big game in this one as well if they want to come out with it. So, and, and I think, you, you know, we know how good Penn State's defense is physically as far as their linebacker and their defensive line is concerned, but their secondary is going to be the issue. If you're going to go against a guy like Justin Fields later on in the season, obviously you want those kinks worked out before the, beforehand. And also the the question is, is Sean Clifford going to be the guy that's going to be able to win us a game? And, 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 it's, and it's hard to kind of dictate how good this Minnesota team is based on the competition level that they played this season. So, yeah, they're undefeated, but they haven't really played anybody. They haven't played any tough games that you can say that, oh, there's not a marquee game on Minnesota's schedule that may, that you look at and be like, oh, you know, this Minnesota team, they're, they're all right. This is their marquee game. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, it's a big test for both teams. But, you know, if you're Penn State and you're James Franklin, this is the best position you've been in as far as the college football playoff is concerned, you're a top four team. You know, you're basically in the driver's seat to be in the college football playoffs. So now all of a sudden, th- these are games that you can't win. I know it's a road game, but it's early. You know, Minnesota's going to be a packed out crowd, but this is one of those games that you just have to win because your standard is being held to what you do against Ohio State, not against what you do against Minnesota. So this is a game that, that you need to figure out what you need to do against. Ohio State later on in the season. The team speed for Penn State, I think, will be a big issue for Minnesota. And one of the things you mentioned was Sean Clifford. If I were to throw up two blind resumes, I saw this on Twitter this past week. Uh, Player A, 24 touchdowns, one interception, 69% completion percentage, 1,659 yards. Those are the numbers. That is Justin Fields from Ohio State. Player B, blind resume, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions, Almost 300 yards more passing and a 62% completion percentage. That is Sean Clifford, the quarterback at Penn State. We're all in love with Justin Fields in that conference as far as Heisman hopeful, best quarterback in the Big Ten. Sean Clifford, keep an eye on him today at Penn State. I think he could have a very big day. Also in the Big Ten, number 18, Iowa at number 13, Wisconsin. The over-under in this game is 37 and a half. Uh, I think maybe the first one to get to 13 wins this game. If you like points, Alabama LSU is your cup of tea. If you like defense and slow grinded out football in ugly cold weather, Iowa Wisconsin is your ticket today. Yeah, if you like 10 13 games finals, if you like nine, 10 to 9 finals, this is your game. And both teams are very physical. Expect a big game from Jonathan Taylor because I, I figure they're just going to run the football all day. Both teams are really good in their run defense, so it, it's going to be a matter of which quarterback you know plays consistently. And, and I think the games that Iowa has lost this season has been games that Nate Stanley hasn't played well. We saw with the three interceptions that he had against Michigan early on in the season. So, and, and that's going to be the key to this game. Both both quarterbacks are 
questionable quarterbacks of like, are they the, the quarterbacks to take their team over the next hump? But this is going to be a defensive game. It's going to be a game that's going to be around the same time as Alabama LSU because it's a three o'clock game. So if you need a um, a nap later on after you know Alabama and LSU, this is the game to watch because this is going to be a, a slow, very, very not offensive centric game. But you know it's going to be a game to where you know both teams had positions, especially Wisconsin. We thought this Wisconsin team was going to be a top you know, five top six team when mm-hmm. the playoff rankings came, but then obviously they lost that game to Illinois and then losing that game to Ohio State, or, you know, back-to-back. So it, it, I'm looking forward to see how Wisconsin bounces back for losing back-to-back games, and this is a perfect game to bounce back from against Iowa. So I think Wisconsin does get the win. Jonathan Taylor has a big game today. We round out the Saturday spotlight with two games in the Big 12 today. Iowa State at number 9 Oklahoma as the Sooners look to get back on track. They certainly no longer control their own destiny. We'll see how Jalen Hurts and the Sooners respond. Also, Kansas State, number 16 in the country. They knocked off Oklahoma. They are on the road this week at Texas. Uh, thought on both of those Big 12 games. Yeah, I think Oklahoma bounces back from from that loss. Now, this is an Iowa State team that they lost three games, but they're pretty close games. They lost to Baylor, and you know they lost uh, I think a one point game early on in the season. So you know Matt Campbell's has has a team in the right track, and they're a good offensive team under Matt Campbell as well. So you know I'm I'm looking forward to see if this Oklahoma defense can bounce back because obviously they did not look good against Kansas State earlier on in the season and Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts you know I think he's going to still put up numbers and have a big game I think he's going to still be a Heisman candidate when it's all said and done so I think Oklahoma bounces back from that game and it's funny how everything switches because Texas was the team we're talking about going into the season and now Kansas State is is kind of the team that is has the edge over Texas and you know Sam Ellinger has not been playing well over the last couple games we'll see if he's able to bounce back well te- Texas was my pick to win the Big 12 no Texas I mean was... I should be fired for that pick I should be escorted out of the building right now and have my credentials revoked ah but you but you weren't the only one cuz I had them winning the Big 12 as well I had them beating Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game so you, you know you, trust me you're you're not alone and you know Sam Ellinger was the reason why a lot of people had a lot of hype on this Texas team but their defense had a lot of injuries in the secondary and that's kind of been the problem of why they're in this situation now so you know we'll we'll see how it plays out I, I think Texas will get this win though Okay, coming up later today here on ESPN 102.5 The Game, Alabama and LSU with coverage beginning at 11.30. So we have three hours of pregame coverage before the big game. And then after that, of course, you have the Predators and the Sharks as Nashville is out in San Jose. Pregame at 8.30 here on 102.5 The Game and on 94.9 Game 2 later today. Tennessee and Kentucky that will come up following Lipscomb MTSU in a little hoops as pregame will get underway for them at 2:30 today. We will come back here on Saturday tailgate and get to the SEC swing that's next here on ESPN 1025 the game. Welcome back into Saturday Tailgate. Nick and Marquise with you live here on a Week 11 edition, ESPN 102.5 The Game. We will get to the SEC swing coming up in just a moment. I was just thinking about this uh, last night. I was looking at the calendar. We're down to, I believe, either three or four more Saturday Tailgates. Final Saturday Tailgate will be the day of the SEC Championship. So we're coming down the stretch run here, Marquise. The season's just flown by. I don't like how you count down. 
every week. I count down everything. <laughs> I'm <laughs> counting down the days until I'm no longer here. <laughs> On the surf up by that. I'm just like, geez, man, like, let me enjoy and, and savor the taste of the college football, man. Like, you know, SEC championship game, to me, that's months away. It, it, but it, it just goes by too fast. Every year you look like, oh, my God, it's almost Thanksgiving. It does. It, it does, man. And it's that's why I always say, look, even though there's there's crappy games on TV – and and sometimes there's not a lot of good games and enjoy it if you if you want to watch Vandy get destroyed by Florida enjoy it because guess what it's college football if you want to watch App State you know play against South Carolina enjoy it because guess what in three or four weeks you're not gonna have any of this that's correct and, and that's why like like I know a lot of people are like very they don't like bowl games like they they harp on like the small the holiday bowl and they don't like watching stuff like that I oh did. i bet on every one of them <laughs> i bet every single bowl game i watch those things like they actually mean something yeah the papa john's bowl and a lot of people don't like watching those but i'm like look this is it for mm-hmm. me this is it so once all this is over in december all these papa john and holiday bowls is over with that's it for college football for up until next year so enjoy it while you have it let's get to the sec swing Focus in on the Southeastern Conference. With SEC Swing. A quick thought on every SEC matchup this weekend. All right, Marquise, we start in the swamp today where Vanderbilt goes to visit 10th ranked Florida, the Gators. I look, it's funny is I'm a big believer in the psychology and the motivation levels of 18 to 22 year old men. And when Florida loses to Georgia in the cocktail party, their season is essentially over from the standpoint of we can't win the East, we can't get to Atlanta, we can't make the college football playoff. So what is the motivational level when in comes lowly Vanderbilt at two and six? And then I think matchups, matchups, matchups. I don't think Vanderbilt's got a shot in this game. I don't either. But and you talk about the psychological of it. And so basically you have a Vandy team that's pretty much fighting for their coach at this point, with you know, with two wins of the season, and you have a Florida team who's pretty much not fighting for anything anymore because of the simple fact that they got eliminated. And it's not technically eliminated because, I mean, obviously, this is college football. Anything can happen. I didn't think Georgia would lose to South Carolina earlier in this season, and they did. And they've had a lot of close games. And and that game last week, that's not that's a game that Florida still could have won. And, you know, but I think they're coming in this game with a lot of motivation you know they they're still playing for a prob- probably a new year six maybe so yeah ten win season yeah ten win season for you know for Dan Mullen and, and I think they're still playing for a lot so and and maybe they're playing mad so and then that's sad for Vandy so you got to feel bad for them they're a twenty seven point favorite in this game so I would take the points in this one if I see, were you it's it, you look at the matchups though like I just don't see how they're going to defend a guy like Freddie Swain uh, whether it's Pitts the tight end. Cleveland and Hammond. I mean, Florida's got. Look, we we know Bama's got four unbelievable receivers. LSU has two legit studs, but Florida's got like five or six like B level receivers compared to Bama and LSU. I, I don't see where Vanderbilt says we can match up anywhere. No, absolutely, and, and I don't see a matchup to where they can keep up with them offensively because. Even if it's if it's Moa San, if it's Riley Neal, if it's Deuce Wallace, I never know throughout throughout the week. I, I guess it's going to be Moa. You know, it'll, it'll be Deuce Wallace. It'll probably end up yeah. being Deuce Wallace today. So it, it, it's 
And I just don't see anything from this offense that will have me believe that they can score points against this Florida defense. This Florida defense, if I were to rank the defenses just in the SEC alone, mm-hmm. Auburn to me is at a, at a high, is the top of the plateau. They're the top of the food chain when it comes to the defensive side of the football. Now, second, I look at Florida. Like I look at this Florida defense. I think this Florida defense is really good. They got a lot of talent on that side, and I don't see. Vandy scoring more than even 20 points against this Florida defense. You know, what's funny is you look at the defenses in this conference, whether it's Florida, Auburn, or Georgia, I think you can make the case for all three of them. And we're almost forgetting about Alabama's defense. We're almost forgetting about LSU's defense because they're so offensive-centric with the receivers and the quarterbacks. And it's like, yeah, no, Alabama and LSU, they still actually play pretty good defense. Yeah, they both still do. But I, I think Florida, Auburn, and somewhat Georgia, they kind of pride themselves on their defense because of their offense not being as good as an Alabama or an LSU. Because because I, I think I, I think Auburn put themselves in good position because of their defense, but the problem is that Bo Nix hasn't got it together on offense yet. So I, and I, I think that's why I put those teams as the top of the food chain when it comes to the defensive side of the football. And that's not knocking Alabama. That's not knocking LSU because they still have talent that is going to be playing on Sundays on both sides of those footballs. But mm-hmm. I, I just think Florida, man, this is going to be a bad game for Vandy. I just <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Vandy in this game. They go on in the swamp, and it's going to be a tough matchup for them. But I think if you're, if you're taking the points. With Florida, take the point. Okay. Elsewhere in the Southeastern Conference today, Missouri at number 6, Georgia. Barry Odom and the Missouri Tigers, a disappointment for me. I thought they would be hands down the third best team in the SEC East. Maybe that'll still play out, but they're leaking oil. They've lost two in a row. They lost to Vanderbilt on the road. They lost to Kentucky on the road. They're coming off of the bye, and they go to Athens today. Maybe a chance that Georgia comes out a little bit flat, sleepwalking off the high of the the Florida game a week ago. But then I think once the game settles in, I think Georgia just smothers Missouri. Yeah, I do too. And there's been a lot of talk about this Georgia offense of you know Jake Fromm's not getting in tune with his wide receivers. And we kind of saw a little bit of that in that Florida game to where Jake Fromm's starting to look a little bit more like Jake Fromm every week in and week out. Now, don't you know, look at the Kentucky game at all and think, oh, he's improved because that game was awful for him. But last week he started to get back in a rhythm of of getting, I think Cager was the receiver that, you know, he started to get in, in tune with and started to, you know, get a, build a connection with at the wide receiver room. But it, I just, like, and it's crazy because I saw this Missouri team based off of having Kelly Bryant, having this offense, having one of the best tight ends in the country, and then not to mention their defense has been pretty good this year. But it's it just I don't, there's something in the middle of that that I don't think they're they're gelling with. And I, I don't know what it is because they have the quarterback, they have the defense, they have the, the outside talent, they have the running back in Larry Roundtree that, that's been pretty consistent. I, I don't know what's missing in the middle of that. And, and, and that's the reason why... I think Georgia runs away with this game. I think DeAndre Swiss has has a big game in this game. I think Jake Fromm doesn't make mistakes, and that and that's been why Georgia's been able to get some of these wins. Is when, when you see a bad Jake Fromm, that, that it, it kind of it carries over to the rest of the whole entire game and the rest of the team. You saw with the Kentucky game and how close that game was, and how bad Jake Fromm was in that game. We saw in South Carolina how bad he was in that game and you know how it dictated everything else in that game as well. So a bad Jake Fromm 
can lead to a bad game, but I think you'll see a good Jake Fromm today against Missouri, and, and Georgia gets the win today. Kentucky and Tennessee tonight, 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. We will get more in-depth on this game one hour from now, coming up on uh, Saturday tailgate at 10.30. But just a quick thought on Kentucky and Tennessee as we wrap up the swing here in the SEC. This will be interesting because last year, Kentucky, dream season. They finished with 10 wins. They're on the road, and they get knocked off by Tennessee. Now it's a revenge game. They're at home. They're feeling good because they just handled Missouri 29-7. to It's at Kroger Field, redemption payback but if you look at the box score and i'm not a big box score guy i prefer the eye test over stats and metrics but when you look at kentucky last week their starting quarterback lynn bowden jr was three for seven for 54 yards their starting quarterback lynn bowden jr rushed for 200 yards i mean i think of army i think of navy quarterbacks rushing for 200 yards and throwing for 50 but with Kentucky's situation at the position we know the injuries and this is what Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops is pretty much relegated to. Is it safe to say that he's probably the best quarterback option they've had since Terry Wilson? Because, I mean, Sawyer Smith was, was okay. He didn't, you know, make any mistakes. But I think he's the better option at quarterback than, than Sawyer Smith was. And because he, he causes so many problems if he can run the football. He's also a wide receiver, by the way, if you guys didn't know that. And he can also play quarterback. And and. He, he basically does everything Terry Wilson was doing before he got hurt. And that's going to be the biggest key for Tennessee is how are they going to be able to defend that? And do they have enough on defense to be able to defend mm-hmm. that? We've seen good defensive performances from this Tennessee team. I, I, I look back at that Alabama game where – you know, at certain points of that Alabama game, they played some pretty good defense. They were well, able to contain t- Tennessee. Now, for a month, has been playing good football. They've won three of their last four. They defeated Mississippi State by ten. They lost to Bama by twenty-two. But to your point, until Gar- I mean, if Garantano doesn't screw that up with a sneak and go rogue, <laughs> I mean, that's a one-score game. Absolutely, you've defeated South Carolina. You defeated UAB. The last two weeks, Tennessee has outscored their opponents seventy-one to twenty-eight. Dare I say it, Jeremy Pruitt's rallying the troops. And that's not to mention the uh, the rough in the passer call in that game that got their defense off that could have got their defense off the field yep. at, uh, with a three and out, and then all of a sudden Alabama extends that drive. So look, this defense has been playing well. Bryce Thompson, I think he had like three interceptions last week, so you know he's been pretty good. He was good against UAB in that game. So it's all going to depend on how this defense can contain the offense but it's also a matter of scoring points and that's not been a problem for Tennessee this year even when Garantano early on in the season was having his woes he he had his woes in the second half this is when but their offense has been pretty good you know over the last couple weeks and you know Jennings is obviously a stud at wide receiver and it's going to be hard for Kentucky to defend him but they haven't been all it's been their defense that had been having to play catch up mm-hmm. and now i feel like they've played that so now all of a sudden they just have to gel everything together and this is a every game is a must win for tennessee because of the simple fact that you're trying to get into a bowl game elsewhere in the conference today arkansas takes on western kentucky that's the game i'm watching oh yeah um, yeah i'm not watching. is that a 2:30 game that's an 11 o'clock game oh that's the first game i'm watching that that is on the big screen today I mean, think about this arkansas is so bad they're only a one point favorite over western <laughs> at home that just tells you chad morris stinks oh my uh old miss against new mexico state is a three o'clock game and then six o'clock tonight appalachian state against south carolina don't sleep on app state they are 7-1, and one, and they are less than a touchdown dog on the road in Columbia. So 
that is the conference as a whole today. We will come back, take a deep dive into our game of the week, Alabama LSU, next on Saturday Tailgate. Back in here live, Saturday Tailgate, ESPN 102.5, the game. We're not really coming to your city. We're just in Nashville, but we are coming out of your speakers, and we do talk sports out of our app. Out of our app. So the promo says. And guess where they're not going? Minnesota. Exactly right. (laughs) Take that, PJ Fleck. It's such a big day today for Alabama LSU that not only did College Game Day go to Tuscaloosa, but SEC Nation went to Tuscaloosa. And usually they go in separate, you know, separate locations yeah. because the SEC Nation will always go to a conference game. College Game Day could be in Ann Arbor. They could be all over the country. Both shows diving into Tuscaloosa this week. Wait, so who the hell is in Minnesota? <laughs> Who's covering this Minnesota game? Um, <laughs> I think the Big Ten Network. Okay, good. But, you know, it actually, and I love when the scheduling gods give us everything set up perfectly. Like Penn State, Minnesota at 11 o'clock today, that'll lead you right into Bama LSU, which will lead you into Tennessee, Kentucky at 6.30 tonight. So you don't really, if you only have one TV, you don't have to worry about you know, hitting that previous button. Yeah, that's me. And breaking the thumb. That's me, ladies and gentlemen, who watches in the Brook Boy Entertainment Center. The BBEC. Yeah, the BBEC, live from Antioch, Tennessee, where I watch one of the games on my big TV and the other game on my small laptop where I watch the other one. So, yeah, that, that's basically what I'm going to be doing. I don't even need to channel search. I, I could just keep it on one game. Mm-hmm. But at 2.30, I'm just – that's the only game I'm watching at 2.30. Let, let, let's get to the 2.30 game, Bama-LSU. Alabama has won eight straight games. They have not lost to LSU since the game of the century 1.0 when they lost 9-6 eight years ago. And you talk about the evolution of two teams. It finally took Ed Orgeron saying, you know what, enough is enough. We need to evolve and modernize the offense. But Bama has done that a few years before so. But the one thing I, I really like, too, about both of these teams is also the evolution defensively. Go back eight years ago. Alabama's defense and Nick Saban, they recruited players to stop the run. They were much slower, much more of a downhill smash-you-in-the-face type of team. And then they lost to Johnny Manziel, and Nick Saban's like, you know what? Tempo and spread, i, I got to change the way I recruit a little bit. LSU has done the same thing because they were mirror images of, images of each other eight years ago, and now they've both become Big 12-ish offensively, but you still can't sleep on the defense because they're still two really talented defensive teams. Yeah, and, that, and that's what makes both of these teams really good. And, and look, Saban always talks about evolving with the game of college football, of seeing that, look, if we're going to keep losing to spread quarterbacks, we're going to keep losing to guys that can get out of the pocket like a Johnny Menzel or, you know, Deshaun Watson. You know, we have to keep up with those teams. We have to keep up with those guys, those type of quarterbacks. And so they get a guy like Lane Kiffin, they get a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts, and they start the progress of developing a more, you know, RPO spread. You know, we have a quarterback that can throw the football, but that can also run it outside of the pocket. And, and that's why you actually seen, because I remember too, this was back when Alabama had those big nasties. And then, you know, Alabama was, you know, they had guys in the front, in the front line, in the offensive line that can block. Now all of a sudden, Alabama, it seems like they don't even recruit at those no more because it's like, you know, we, we got guys that can get outside the pocket and, you know, and work out the offense that way. So Nick Saban always evolves with how the game evolves, and he he's seen that this is the way 
you know, offenses are going. They're, you know, it, it's going to take 30, 40 points to win games. It's not going to be the typical 21-20 game or the 24-21 games anymore. Like, we have to not only play on the defensive side, but we have to keep up with team off offensively. So, and, and he got Lane Kiffin in there to kind of do that. I don't want to put Lane Kiffin in this plateau if he changed Alabama's offensive mindset, but he kind of did because he brought a different offense that Nick Saban has not had and all of a sudden now he's continuously, you know, bringing in guys like and that's why I think their offensive took a decline when they got Brian Dable because he was trying to go back to that offense that Alabama run of, you know, we're going to run more of a pro style offense and mm-hmm. at, at first at, you know, it looked good at first, you know, when their schedule was weak enough of where they can get through it, but eventually down the line it, it didn't because you're trying to run a pro style offense with a guy like Jalen Hurts and it just it didn't work out that way, and it almost cost him a national championship. So he went back to Mike Loxley. Mike Loxley got back to that Lane Kiffin mentality, and then all of a sudden now they're running this RPO offense. So I think that's Nick Saban and you know changing the game with how the game changes around him. Well, and also just think about the evolution offensively from going from running backs to quarterbacks and receivers. Just four years ago in this game, we saw a matchup of Derrick Henry against Leonard Fournette. Now they're both rivals in the AFC South with the Titans and the Jaguars. And the running backs have almost become an afterthought. Yet you have a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who's averaging six yards a pop. He's got eight touchdowns on the year. We talked about Alabama's run game this year with Brian Robinson and Najee Harris trying to find that, that groove in that rhythm. Because you know... As much as it's going to be about quarterbacks and receivers tonight and probably some missed field goals, because that's kind of what college kickers do, it could very well come down to the running game. I think so many people are in love with just the amount of points that could be scored in tonight's game. But both of these coaches, like, you can evolve, but there's still a part of Ed Orgeron and there's still a part of Nick Saban that says, we want to control the line of scrimmage. We want to run the ball. And that could very well be the differentiating factor tonight in this game. Yeah, let's let's not make this game a shootout. Like let's let's avoid this game being a shootout. Let's we don't have to score. You know, we don't have to have five plays and, and score six plays. You know, we can we can take the you know take some time off the clock. We can run the football. We can you know spread it out and and we can kind of control that aspect of the game where we don't have to score quick right away this this doesn't have to be one of those games where it's a shootout and we don't have to bring and especially if for LSU's perspective and one of their weaknesses both the team's weaknesses is their defense obviously you don't want to put your defense back on the field after you know you know quick and after scoring quick so it's just you know run the ball take some time off the clock control and obviously both defenses are preparing for each other's quarterback you know, obviously, Alabama secondary has really honed in on what they're going to do to contain these talented wide receivers and vice versa on the other end. So you want to be able to run the football with a Najee Harris and you want to run the football on LSU's perspective to try to control that of, you know, look, they're expecting us to throw the football a lot with Joe Burrow. They're expecting us a lot, you know, throw the football a lot with Tua. So let's let's run the football. Let's just try to you know, develop some kind of offense and maybe they'll start playing the run a little bit more and then that's when we can hit them with the home run pass with Joe Burrow or Tua. So I I think that's how if you're Coach O and you're Joe Brady, if you're Steve Sharkeesian and you're Nick Saban, that's Mm kind of how you go in with that game plan of, look, let's establish the run a little bit more 
and then all of a sudden, let, let's see what our quarterbacks can do. And you look around the world of college football, there's not many defensive coordinators that I would take over LSU's D.C. Dave Aranda. I mean, Brent Venables is arguably the best in the country. There's a few others, Kevin Steele, just to name a few. But tonight could come down to what can Dave Aranda do to kind of contain Alabama's big playability, making those RPO five-yard slants a 10-yard catch and not a 70-yard touchdown. But also the other side, which I don't think anybody is discussing, what does Pete Golding do against that LSU LSU offense? Because I don't know how much man-to-man, five- and six-man blitzes he can run. I think the key for Alabama defensively today, what type of pressure does Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings get if Alabama's only going to rush four? Yeah, absolutely, and and that's going to be that's key on both sides because even when you look from an LSU, if you're Dave Aranda, if if you look at some of the games Tua struggled in, it's been games where Tua has had pressure. I look back at that game with Mississippi State when he was getting chased around by Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat. And it caused problems in his offense, and he couldn't get rhythm going. And remember, he had the same receivers he had last year. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't get the ball to him because he had so much pressure. Same thing for the first half of that Georgia game, somewhat in that Auburn game, but he ended up running away with that one. But it's just, it's all about, you know, putting pressure on on both ends of the football. And the same thing for Burrow. And we haven't seen, I, I think, outside of maybe the Florida game, we haven't seen a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has been able to get the ball out of his hand pretty quickly and get his ball to his, his wide receivers, and they make home run plays. And that's why LSU hurts you, you know, because it's Joe Burrow getting the ball out of his hands quick, getting it to chase and getting it to these wide receivers and they, them hitting the home run plays. So if you're Alabama and you're Pete Golding, yeah, you have to send guys like Terrell Lewis. Terrell Lewis is going to have to be the guy that has a big game. You know, he's going to be the guy that I think when we talk about this game from a defensive perspective, he's going to be the guy that is going to have to have that marquee game, that is going to have to be the MVP of the defense if LSU or if Alabama wants to pull away with this game. He's going to have to be the MVP on defense, and and I think he can do it because that dude's quick. He can get at the quarterback pretty fast, so – I think Terrell Lewis will have to have a big game if Alabama wants to get away with it. Coming up next on the Coach's Corner here on Saturday Tailgate, you will hear from Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, Ed Orgeron, and also we'll deviate away from the coaches. We'll get to the man who's on the call today for CBS, Gary Danielson, color analyst for the SEC on CBS, what he has to say about the health of Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavaloa. That's coming up next here on Saturday Tailgate. Big Saturday edition of Saturday Tailgate here on ESPN 102.5. The game can't believe it's week 11 already. Alabama, LSU, Penn State, Minnesota. A handful of good games today in the SEC. The Big 10, the Big 12. We had Pac-12 after dark last night. Washington and Oregon State. A 9.30 kick on a Friday night. Nothing like a 19-7 game between two underachieving programs. You gotta love it. I love it. I mean, it's Friday Friday night football, so if you weren't out at the bars, it's just something to play in the background while you're at the bars, pretty much. It's like, hey, there's a football game on, by the way. Wife looks at me last night. She goes, does this game have any uh, importance towards the college football playoff or like a Heisman race or anything? I go, no. She goes, well, then why are we watching it? I said, because. I mean, that's the perfect answer you yeah. give her. Oh, what, yeah. what other answer exactly. does she need? What else do you need? All right, let's get to the coach's corner. We start today, Dabo Sweeney, his reaction to the Clemson Tigers being number five in the initial college football playoff ranking. People were so mad. I'm like, man, it's all good. We're one of those teams. You know, hey, we're in the mix. We just got to 
keep winning. And uh, hopefully we'll scratch and claw and, you know, only got one spot to go uh, to get in there. So hopefully we can play well enough and we got a lot of ball left. You know, hopefully hopefully we have four more games. And, uh, you know, that's going to be get what you earn. You get 12 and you got to earn you got to earn anything after that. And, you know, you can't win 12 till you win 10. So we're just trying to, what's the old barbershop mentality, right? One at a time. And uh, just see if we can play well this week against NC State and find a way to win. A 10th win would be huge. I mean, that would be an unbelievable accomplishment uh, for our program. And um, and it also keeps us on track uh, for the division. And uh, so, and that obviously that we got, what, eight days left and the division race is over. And then, you, then you're kind of on to your next goal. So, and all the rest of that stuff will take care of itself. So I would say rest easy and, and uh, just enjoy the journey. And again, they don't they don't give those trophies out after nine games. So there you go, Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, we're number five. We're in the mix. You know, we're we're one of those teams. Translation: I've got motivation for my boys. Yeah, they he, don't believe in you. Here's the key to that quote. He's like, nah, nah. His voice got high. He's like, nah, nah. It's all good. When usually somebody says that, it's really not all that good. <laughs> like, nah, nah. It's all good. But nah. I mean, he's right. I mean, they got three games left. They control their own in the regular season. They control their own destiny. Now, obviously, you don't want to have a hiccup in between. You know, Wake Forest is a, is a ranked opponent that they got to go against. You know, they have a good offense, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Clemson in that game. And then they also got South Carolina, which I don't see South Carolina beating Georgia and Clemson in the same season. So that's that's a you know a no brainer that that's not going to happen. So I just think they control their own destiny. They got three games left in the regular season, and and this is why last week when I had Clemson at five. This is why I like, and I even said like when it, when the season's over with, they will be the number one or number two team when it's all said and done, because they're gonna go, they're gonna run the table, they're gonna be undefeated. You know, Trevor Lawrence is is not their offense is not as bad as what everybody says it is. Their defense is is not as bad as what everybody says it is. They just their resume is is the reason why they're probably under Penn State. So, mm-hmm. look, this is motivation. If if whatever the line is on Clemson, North Carolina State. You take Clemson in this one because I think this Clemson team has a lot of motivation of, and, and it's it's not they leaving us out. They they don't think we're good enough. They don't, and that's what Dabble's telling this team. And you know it's going to be motivation. Uh, Coach O's scared. Coach, Coach O's, O's chomping at the bit. He's ready to give his take on uh, the coach's corner. Don't worry, Coach O. We'll get to you in a moment. I know you're ready. Big game today against Alabama. I ain't gonna lie. Coach O scared the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> but he was clearing his throat there for a second. <laughs> but but no, I, I think you know. I think Clemson will run the table, and then all of a sudden they'll make it to a college football playoff. So ain't no panic. And that's why that was like, man, we we good. Mm-hmm. Nah, don't worry about it. We gonna beat everybody anyway, so it don't matter. All right. Speaking of Ed Orgeron, let's get to Coach O talking about his offensive coordinator passing game specialist Joe Brady who now all of a sudden has Joe Burrow looking like Tom Brady here is coach O on what Joe Brady brings to this game confidence he's worked uh, very hard on, on Alabama we started on Alabama last spring uh, first of all we looked at our our game last year where we didn't do very well uh, with some of the things that we can do better uh, I think Joe's very good at dissecting film, very good at looking at strength and weaknesses and putting our guys in the right position. Him and Steve have worked uh, tirelessly all week last week. Uh, one went out on Monday. Then Joe stayed in all weekend. Steve uh, stayed in on Monday. He went out on Friday, so they took turns. They've been in the office all week. 
obviously, I believe we're going to put our guys in the best position. But as you know, players got to make plays. And um, we went down there two years ago. And we we had a skinny post open three times. We didn't hit it. You got to make the plays. But I do believe we have the quarterback to do it now. So there you go, Ed Orgeron, a man who loves the state of Louisiana. He is a Boston Baton Rouge. But if he pulls off this upset today over Alabama, he will become a god to Tiger Nation. If he pulls this off today, that man's never going to have to pay for another meal in the state of Louisiana. He might be given a lifetime contract. Nah, it's easy to say that Coach O is Baton Rouge. Like you hear, you hear it in his voice. You hear how how he talks. Like he is Baton Rouge, and and, and you can't sit here and tell me anymore that they don't prepare for teams early on. Early in, in that clip, he said they prepared for Alabama in the spring. So they knew that this situation was going to have to happen, and coaches make hires for teams that they got to play for. And and obviously by getting a guy like Joe Brady and keeping up with that Alabama offense, because last year we saw that 29-0 thumping in, in Baton Rouge, and LSU could not get anything going on offense. Now it wasn't as bad as when they couldn't cross the 50-yard line, but they struggled on offense last year. and. That's their and their defense had the talent. You know they were able to hold Alabama to twenty nine points. I know that's not saying much in this day in college football. It is saying a lot when you're holding a team to twenty nine points. So he gets a guy like Joe Brady. He has a guy like Dave Aranda. You're basically building your staff to beat a team like Alabama. Dave Aranda was hired to be able to stop Alabama on offense, and and that's what he was hired to do. Now Joe Brady is hired to do the same thing on the offensive end, and. Like he said at the end of that audio clip, he has the quarterback to finally do that. I don't think you can put Jordan Jefferson. I don't think you can put Jarrett Lee. And I don't think even Zach Mattenberger. I don't think you can put them in this offense and they can do what Joe Burrow's been able to do with this offense. So with with the connection of Joe Brady and the connection with Joe Burrow, I think this team is in the best shape they've ever been on the offensive end to beat a team like Alabama. Okay, Gary Danielson will have the call alongside of Brad Nessler here on the SEC on CBS today when Alabama takes on LSU at 2.30. Let's take a listen to Gary Danielson talking about the health of Tua Tungavaloa. I watched him practice yesterday. He's not 100%. I don't care what Alabama says. I don't care what Tua says. I watch him. He does not have that spring in his step. It's not natural. He's okay. I'd be playing if I was him. I know that, but he's not two at the start of the season, and he's not as nimble as I have watched him before. So how do those body blows, or call them ankle blows, how does that set up the football game in the third or fourth quarter? I wonder if anybody has even touched his ankle, let alone hit his ankle the way that he's going to get hit in this football game. Today, it's got to be about getting the ball out quick, quick release, not letting him take hits, not letting him take off and run rhythm quick throws yes he won't be a hundred percent but never did i expect him not to play nick saban an hour ago on college game day saying that tua is expected to play tonight so we'll see i mean i'm guessing probably you know 80 85 percent and that might be enough but you're you're right he's not a, he's not he's not what he was a month ago no absolutely and that's why and you said in the last segment of just putting emphasis on running the football that's another reason why you you're limiting the chances that your quarterback can get hit by running the football and getting the ball out quick that's why it's going to be very important for his wide receivers to get open quick and it's going to be important for LSU knowing that on defense if all we have to do is contain their wide receivers make to a stay in the pocket long enough to where our pass rush can get to them so you know I think this is going to be an important you know part of the game of 
making sure Tua doesn't have to escape the pocket, making sure that offensive line protects him long enough to where he can see the field, find a guy like Ruggs, find a guy like Judy. It's, it, I mean, it's really not even the importance of how fast his wide receivers can get open because, let's face it, they're fast. They can get open. It's going to be the matter of how long can this offensive line protect Tua long enough to where they stop this LSU pass rush from getting after Tua because you know that's their game plan going into this game, knowing that he's limpy and he's 80-85%. Okay, so Tua's athleticism might be limited due to the ankle and the surgery, but one man's athleticism, Joe Burrow, will not be in question. Here's Nick Saban talking about his opponent, Joe Burrow. Well, I think number one is, you know, they're spreading people out. They've got really good skill guys. They've got a good runner. I mean, this is as good an offense probably as we've had to face for a long time. I mean, one of the best. And um, he does a great job. He understands exactly what they're doing. Uh, because people are spread out, it makes it a little easier to see. The defense has to declare itself so he knows exactly what's, what you're in, where to go with the ball, gets rid of it quickly. But where he's been most effective to me is when plays break down. He's been able to extend plays and make plays down the field as well as convert critical third down situations by running because he's such a good athlete. So you got to defend all of the above, which is, you know, a pr- pretty difficult task. You know, Nick Saban's going to play man to man. That's what he loves to do. Press coverage against Chase, press coverage against Jefferson. And when you play man-to-man, that leaves the option of a quarterback to take off unless you're spying him. Keep an eye on Joe Burrow tonight. Some of those third and sevens, he might pick up with his feet. No, absolutely. And it's look, Joe Burrow, and, it, and it's crazy the transition of watching Joe Burrow from last year and just watch. Like when, when I looked at Joe Burrow last year, and this is why I didn't go in with a lot of Joe Burrow hype because I didn't see much from him last year. That would have me believe that he was, you know, going to be a quarterback that was able to beat Alabama. I just looked at him as just another LSU quarterback. So, you know, kudos to him. I'm wrong for that, and kudos to him for working in the offseason when Joe Brady and getting what he wanted to do. Oh, like he just offers so much. It, it, I'm not going to compare it to Deshaun Watson esque mm-hmm. because that was what Deshaun Watson was able to do. If he didn't have his receivers open, he was big and he was fast enough to where he would extend plays and, you know, it caused a lot of problems for Alabama in the two years that they played Clemson. So in you know, Joe Burrow, all he has to do is is know that he's the star of the show. He he is outside of Tua, he's the star of the show. He's the guy that quite frankly, he can build his draft stock in this game. And and he knows that, and, and he knows that he's going to be the important piece if they're going to get over this Alabama hump finally. So I, I expect a big game from Joe Burrow today. I'm not, you know, not predictions build, you know, business yet, but I just I predict a big game from Joe Burrow today. Coming up next, we will kick off hour number two of Saturday Tailgate with another installment of In or Out. That is next here on ESPN 102.5 A Game.